Okay, folks. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'm I'm easily amused. <laughs> okay, let's 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 pray. Our dear Father, we uh we thank you for this evening, Lord. We uh just uh, pray that your presence would well, I know we know it's we know it's here and we uh just pray that you would help us to worship you and uh learn learn more from your word and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on his way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sigh nor a tear, can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go, never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen. How many people do you think really believe that? How many people do you really think believe that trusting and obeying Jesus is the only way? Jack, you believe that? Depends on the circumstances. Yeah. So that song is 
That's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah, but wouldn't it be the truth that we struggle with it? I think I think it's I think it's true that we struggle with it. But talking to people, with all the different people I talk to from from week to week and day to day, I just I get this feeling that, and it's not it's not just you know the younger generations I think get a bad rap in a lot of ways. And I don't think it's just the younger generations that really not just struggle with trusting and obeying, but are almost flippant to it, you know. Um, I, I'm just seeing more and more of it, and it makes me wonder how many people really, they'll sing the words, but how much of that is really driven home, you know. Well, Outreach Magazine just come out with their, with their top 100 churches in the country, and it's, it's interesting to me. They're talking about the 50, 50 fastest-growing churches and the 50 largest churches. And the thing to me is the ones that are doing that are more liberal. Liberal. They're much more liberal, and I because you get a bio with it, and it talks about the church and where they're at, and it's interesting to me that if you look at a church our size, for instance, in some of the statistics, um, they're not conservative. The, the the bigger churches are not conservative. The churches our size, I should say, are more conservative in regard to that exact song, trusting and obeying. And, and you know, we see what's taking place, and I know we need to get on with this in a minute here, but we see what's taking place, place with the Pope and wanting to sanction our, our okay lesbian and gay unions. And, I mean, he's not going to marry him, but he's going he's gonna to sort of give a blessing to the union so I mean what's the difference you know. um, I, 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 I'm struggling with some of this stuff I'm seeing happening that's all I, yeah it's 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 amazing to me because I I read those lists of fastest growing churches and the, and the largest churches and that's the predominant background is much more liberal mindset all right moving on daniel um i've broken this down into two parts tonight chapter 7 19 through 28 and then we're just going to just look at the first couple of verses of chapter 8 for just a couple of minutes um so on your out on your handout the one side starts with the interrogation after the fourth beast. That's the side you want to be looking at, not the side that says chapter 8. Uh, okay. Um, so I need someone, if they would, <coughs> to read 19 through 22 there in the, on the outline. Or if you want to read it from your Bible, that's fine. It would be chapter 7, verses 19 through 22 of Daniel. 
different from all the others and most terrified, with its iron teeth and bronze claws. The beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell. The horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the saints and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. Okay, so once again, we see in, in, in these passages that, that Daniel fully did not comprehend what was taking place. And he's looking at this unnamed fourth beast, and he didn't fully grasp it. So he goes back and he basically questions the entity that's with him. And he, he asks about the ten horns. He talks about the, the three horns that fell and, and the description of the fourth beast. It's not very different from the description we're going to see in, in verses 7 and 8 that we saw earlier. But the one noticeable difference is that horn is, is said to be more stout or, or projecting himself in more of a place of prominence and power. And that little horn, of course, we know is going to be a problem here in just a few minutes. Um, but in the vision, in Daniel's vision, it's, there's a lot happening. It's continuous, it's ongoing, it's dramatic, and he's, he's starting to have a hard time keeping up again like he did in chapter uh, 6 and part of 7 when we started this. So the same horn showed his hatred for the saints, declared war on them, and at that particular instance, he's prevailing against them. He's, he's, he's got the lead, and he's causing a lot of havoc and a lot of problem. So he says in, in, in passages that he kept looking. He was, he was trying to figure something out, and he just he couldn't get it. Um, the vision because of so much happening, I think, and totally being engaged was interrupting his train of thought. He really couldn't process what he was looking at. Rapidly enough, maybe. Um, but he says the same horn that was declaring uh, all these profanities and blasphemies, we need to remember that, that uh, the Apostle John wrote in Revelation, and we studied Revelation a while back, but he said, and it was given unto him, the little horn, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So we see that taking place, but it's the same type of revelation or the same type of vision that Daniel sees and the same type of one the Apostle John saw. The time element for that, and I just gave you the scripture verses, is in Revelation 11, 3, 12, 6, and 13, 5. And that's where the Antichrist fulfills those predictions that John saw and Daniel sees now. So he's, all this is coming to fruition. The little horns reign of terror doesn't last long, though. Um, it lasts only till the Ancient of Days comes. And when the Ancient of Days comes, uh, that, that deliverance comes to pass, if you would. God's saints are delivered 
from all the persecution that they're undergoing. And the little horn is winning the victory until the king of kings shows up. And then he has to pay the piper. This, the attack is stopped, and with the appearance of God's son, the saints of the Most High were avenged. And we see that, and we understand that. Um, this is clear prophecy describing the experience that's going to take place in awaiting the saved remnant of Israel. Now we have to remember, the believers that are alive when this starts are not there. The church today would be out. So the only ones that this is affecting physically at that time is the remnant of Israel. Okay? So <clears throat> the interpretation keeps going, concluded if you would. He says, he gave me this explanation. Now he's, he's, he's trying to get and understand all this. So he asked for more help. He turns to God again. And this is what he said, what Daniel says. He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. Now, in the, in the scriptures that uh, Tim read for us a moment ago, it says it crushed everything under its feet. This fourth kingdom is going to basically just wipe everything out. It said the ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones, and he will subdue three kings. He's given a, a more detailed description of the little horn taking the three bigger horns out, and he is now representing the Antichrist. So it all comes to fruition. Um, you know, if, we, if, if you think about this, before the 20th century, all the centuries prior to the 20th century, they would have looked at that and said, There's, it's unbelievable. It's too fantastic. That'll never happen. But now I want you to think of the things that we've recently seen with modern-day warfare. Think about the way we travel today. Think about the way we communicate today. Or do you think it's unfathomable or unbelievable now? No. And as, as these systems develop to fight one another and to cause more problems for one another, we're going to see these things intensify, I believe. Um, so... <clears throat> All those destructive weapons and warfare that we see today, that's, that's erased any doubts we might have. Um, it's basically talking about the last world power is going to be different than the ten kings that are going to rise from it. And he says that that, lost, that last world empire are those ten kings. Now, they reign, they reign simultaneously. All ten of those kings are going to come and they're going to reign together and they're going to do it collectively. There's going to be a, a ten-nation cohort, if you would, or a formation, a federation of ten nations. And those ten nations are going to reign until this little horn starts getting involved. But he's going to rise up initially as an eleventh king. 
But then he's going to take three of those kings out. And he's going to basically take over and he's going to have um, more power because he's going to take those three seats, combine it with his, and he's going to have more voting power, if you would. So he's, he's, he's taking over and it's, it's going to be devastating. But the interesting thing about this, this fourth kingdom, if this fourth kingdom rises, and we're going to talk politics here for a second, if this fourth kingdom rises, we have to think it's an indication that it never completely died. Now, if this kingdom rises like scripture says it is, and I have no doubt that it's going to, I want you to think about the Roman Empire as the world, as the world empire at the time of this writing. Okay? Now, it was a political empire. But those of you that have studied history know that the political empire turned around and made it a religious empire. And now we have the Pope and the priest and the pontiffs and all these other things and what's taking place? They're rising up again, are they not? That political empire has now succumbed to a religious empire but it's still the Roman government. I think a lot of this ties back to these ten kings. And I think this balance of power is going to shift. Verse 25 talks about that little horn <clears throat> and how it becomes a great horn. The Antichrist, it's a blasphemer. It elevates itself equal to God and above God. And if you look at Revelation 13, 5, and 6, it talks about the attitude of this um, Antichrist. It says the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. So his whole attitude was that of nothing but hatred and persecution. He just wanted to do away with any of the saints, any of the other individuals that were there. And he goes on to talk about that. And he performed great miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Now, he's making sure everybody sees what he's doing. Why? So he can gain their attention and so that he can claim to be something he's not. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Where did we see that in Daniel? Remember what happened when Nebuchadnezzar when Daniel first talked about Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he gave the order that if you won't bow down and worship, you're going to have your head cut off. 
so that it could speak and cause all those who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand and on his forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, that's from Revelation 13. The whole purpose of all that was just to harass and harm the people. But think about the time frame of his reign. He talks about some things in the King James and in the verses that we looked at. He talks about the time. That's equal to one year. The times is time, time, time. It's just two years. And the dividing time is one and a half years. So you see that in your notes, which is a total of three years. All that three-year time frame equates to what's in Daniel and what's in Revelation and also the 1,260 days are in Revelation. So I've given you that to sort of correspond and look at each other. And Jesus himself talked about this period of time in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, 15. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. The one that's going to be that speaking all this abomination that causes desolation is the little horn. So there's, there's, there's a lot wrapped around this. Um, 726 says, But the judgment shall, shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it until the end. Look, the beast is going to be put down. It has to be put down. And God's going to take him out when he comes back. Um, his dominion will be overthrown and it will be overthrown forever. But it's, it's going to be tough. Psalm 68, 1 and 2 says, May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. As smoke is blown away by the wind, may you blow them away. As wax melts before the fire, may the wicked perish before God. You have to remember... There's going to be a whole hundreds of thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people that are deceived by this Antichrist. And even though they're, 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 they're going to be given the opportunity before they get the mark of the beast to make a better decision, they're not going to make it. The Antichrist reign is going to come to an end and the kingdom from above will set up on earth. God's kingdom is going to embrace the whole inhabited earth and Daniel concluded this and said, I kept the matter in my heart. He knew that the revelation was directly from God, but it was still puzzling to him. And it was still just tearing him apart because he really was looking at it from the perspective of there was going to be a long, long wait before all this happened. And he knew there was, that his, his kinsmen were in trouble. And it was going to be very detrimental. So some things I want to give you guys just to remember and think about here a little bit. Uh, in regard to chapter 8, we have to remember that Daniel is not in chronological order. And we put together, I, I pulled this from two or three different sources, but I pulled together the chronological order of the chapters should be as it's printed out there. And Daniel was originally written in two different languages. In the Aramaic, the Chaldean and the Hebrew. And because of that, it, it floats back and forth with different, ver with different um, um, 
chapters and different verses. So in chapters 1, 1 through 2, 3, it, as it relates to Jerusalem, it's written in Hebrew. But as it, the second part, as it relates to those events under Gentile rule, it goes back to Aramaic, Chaldean. But then in the third section, what we're going to start with chapter 8, it goes back to the Hebrew again. So it, it bounces back and forth, if you look at it in the original language. So uh, the primary thing is there's going to be severe persecution that's going to come to Israel through the Gentiles. Now, what are we seeing in the East right now, in the Middle East? Israel at war. Israel at war. Now... There's some things here I want you to think about as we read this passage in these first two chapters. In the third year of the king Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa, in the providence of Lam. In the vision, I was beside the Uliah Canal. Now, do you know where those places are? They were originally in Persia. Do you know what Persia is today? Iran. And guess who is firing up and getting ready to get involved in this mass mess? Iran. Some of this stuff is is if you if you if you look at all the moving parts, it it could get real interesting real fast. Two years had elapsed between Daniel's vision in chapter 7 and the actual start of chapter 8. So the prophet had two years to meditate on that vision and about the four beasts and to think about those things. And we understand that it was a divinely directed vision from God. Um, but it was confusing to Daniel. He needed help with it. There was, there, was, there was a predetermined purpose of God, but Daniel didn't understand it. No one but God could foretell the coming centuries and all that would happen beforehand and all that's going to happen when it takes place. But in chapter 8, Daniel was told precisely the two preceding, succeeding kingdoms would be. And he gives start of that information he gives the start of that information when he says it's at the Shushan in the palace. Uh, it was the capital of Persia where Nehemiah and Esther lived. And J. Vernon McGee comments there at the very end that the events foretold in this vision were fulfilled within 200 years. Now, there's two avenues of thoughts about that. Some commentators say it was fulfilled already. Some say it's still going to happen. But there's also a third concept that says part of it happened and part of it's going to happen again. So you, you have to sort of take those things and think about those things because if it did happen before with the nation of Israel to a certain point, then it's definitely going to happen again. So that's what you're going to have to think about. How you want to how you want to lay that out? Um, 
It's a prophetic vision. We, we think that, right? Persia was a figure that was going to be overthrown of Babylon. The geographical setting is very, very significant in this. And as we delve into this, we're going to have to look deeper into that. Um, there's a lot of moving parts that we're going to see in this as we look in chapter 8. And we need to remember that it's, it's, it's going to be overwhelming. And if you have information to share when you come to that, all you need to let us know. Um, let me read just a little blurb here. The liberal critic insists that later dating of Daniel maintains that Daniel was written after those events had transpired. So it's merely a historical record. Um, others say it's an attempt to get rid of a miraculous, which is embarrassing to the system of interpretation. J. Vernon McGee takes more of a conservative stance and thinks that it happened, but some of the more modern-day conservatives think that it may have happened once, but it's going to happen again in greater detail. So you have to... You have to decide for yourself. Okay. All right. Questions, thoughts? Yeah, Jack. Just a comment. Uh, Mary and I have been listening to different things on the TV and ministers and that. And one thing that several of them have said is that it says in the end times that Israel will have nobody to support them. And so they say, they're saying, looking at right now, with Think about, think about, and last I heard it wasn't billions of dollars, it's trillions of dollars, that the U.S. government, and I love the fact, I wish they would do it for us, they just keep printing money. Um, they're printing money and they're sending it to all these other places. I'm not sure we have enough gold to back all that right now, but... Um, what happens if all of a sudden they decide to stop giving these nations money? You think you buying influence with that money? Yeah. So, so what happens? What happens if that cash flow stops? Our influence stops. <laughs> and and then what do you think will happen? They turn on the We're on our own. I think that's what's going to happen. I genuinely do. <laughs> I think I think that tap's going to run out eventually, and then all hell's literally going to break loose. And I think they're going to try to come down on us hard. But the thing, too, Larry commented on it Monday night. Why do we even need to watch? Because we know that God's going to take care of us. Yeah. So we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't need to worry about it, but I'd just like to know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are not saved. Yeah. And that's the toughest part, I think. 
I think for, for those that are genuine Christians and, and really want as many people to go with them and with us as possible, I think that's the thing that tugs at our heartstrings. Because we know we have family members or maybe close, close friends that, that keep saying no. And, you know, it's like, are you, are you, and I always want to just grab them by their sh- shoulders and go, are you watching what's happening? Are you paying attention? You know, just look, look around a little bit and you'll see. And it, it's just, it's, it's concerning because of that. It's not so much that we worry, I think, about ourselves, but it's concerning because we think about those people, those loved ones that we don't want to go to hell. We don't want to suffer like that. And we try to explain to them, we try to talk to them, we try to reason with them, and we do, I mean, there's some that you may even beg, um, but they don't, they turn a blind eye to it. So it makes it tough, I know. Yeah, Jack. I've got all kinds of comments on it. Okay. The other thing that we think about, and we've talked about it, is our grandkids and the people that we're concerned about that are not, we don't believe are saved, are going to know when the rapture comes, uh-oh, hey, Jack and Mary was right. The only problem that I see is that the persons in charge, after we're gone, are going to be so convincing that they're right Of course. I mean, that's what that's what Scripture is telling us. Yeah, yeah. And I. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's it's a concerning and scary prospect if we think about it from from their side of the situation. But I think if we're going to continue to inject hope into society, we have to remember our hope and the and the reason that we believe what we believe, and we still need to continue giving them that story. Warren. I'm just going to say that I think a lot of young people these days coming up are actually not thinking about anything spiritual at all. Yeah, a lot of, from what I've been reading, <clears throat> from what I've been reading, that, that is true. Um, churches are struggling across all denominations uh, to, to draw the young people back in from years ago. And if they don't get them when they're these guys' age, they're saying it's it's just almost impossible to bring them in as teenagers. I mean, you can bring them in for events, but they won't stick. And I've talked to several pastors here in town that are struggling with the same thing, and it's it's not just one denomination; it's across all denominational boards. And it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if they're liberal thinking or conservative thinking. The only thing that will engage the kids is activities and events and the more technological things you have available to them the more they are apt to come 
And what did we just read? Is going to be some of the downfall, the technology. And I mean, I don't, I don't know the answer. I'm looking for some answers, but I don't know the answers. One thing I do want to tell you guys, I'll give it a plug here. Beth and I were talking about it. We are going to be involved um, in Franklin Graham's um, God Loves You Tour. It is coming to Tucson in March. Um, we're going to start putting up little blips on the screen. Paul, are you listening? Yeah, I see, I see that hand, brother. Um, we're going to start putting up um, slides uh, announcing that and just list brief things until OCC is just about wound down. But in the interim, in November and uh, February, I think it is, there's training classes. And what we're hoping to do is have you guys go in smaller groups, uh, maybe just three or four of you, six or eight of you, however many want to go at a time, to a three-hour training session. I pulled up all the materials on it today. It's three hours to teach us how to witness to those that come forward during that event. And you'll be hearing more about it as we get involved in it deeper and deeper, okay? Um, I can only juggle about three things in my mind at once, along with the daily stuff. So this one, we're, gonna, we're, we're just going to get it out there before the people. But you guys are here Sundays and Wednesdays and other times. And, but we wanted you guys to know that that's coming. If you'd like to be involved in that process, um, our tour date, I believe, is March 5th. For Tucson but they're hitting major cities on the west coast um, Kino Sports Park I think there's 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 three individuals for our I don't remember their names like I said it'll be on the screen all right we'll get it out there Yeah. Yeah. Billy's son. Franklin. Yeah, but Franklin's son, William, is also. He's out there too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure who's on our who's on our venue, but there's, you know, but they're 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 knocking out like 15 or 18 cities in four months, I think. So. So be praying about that. Be praying a part of if you want to be a part of that, and uh, you know that's something we need to get involved with if we can't, because it may open some more doors. All right. All right. Um, yeah, it may be more important than we know. All right. Um, praises, prayer request tonight. And I did, I did share the security meeting tomorrow on Facebook if you, if you wanted to check it out. It's pretty cool, actually. I mean, it's being put on by Arizona uh, Southern Baptist. So it's, and it looks pretty cool. But let's sing uh, uh, You Are My All in All.
Oh no, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, let's try that again. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your come before your throne of grace again, Lord, and we thank you for everything you do and do, have done for us, Lord. We uh, thank you for your salvation that you've provided for us, and uh, Lord, we just pray that you would be going with us as we go home and protect us and uh, help us to um, remember some of, some of these uh, learnings from, from David. Uh, I'm Daniel, Daniel, and uh, we just... Uh, Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hmm.